Well, it's goodbye to the elevator music. So way back when I first started in radio, I was working full-time for another company, and that company did not want me on the air as myself. Now, there was a reason for this. The company that I was working for, I don't think it's any big mystery, it was the Salvation Army in Modesto, California, and there had been a... Let's just call it a misunderstanding. Some years before that, I had become a columnist, what was known as a community columnist for the Modesto Bee, the local newspaper. And I wrote columns under my name. My byline was David Ray Bowman. And I had written a column one one year. It was the year that the Raiders made it to the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. And I think that was 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. Anyway, um, I had written a column about it because I had run into a guy at the gas station who had a license plate holder. He was obviously a Raider fan. His truck was black. It was all decked out in Raider crap. And his license plate holder read, There are no traitors except Raider haters. But the word traitor was spelled T-R-A-D-E-R-S. Traitor, someone who makes trades. He meant traitor, someone who is, you know, on the opposite side. And I took the opportunity to write a column about that because, A, I, as you know, hate the Raiders. Wasn't a big fan of the Buccaneers. Um, But I just thought it was funny because this guy was clueless about what his license plate holder actually said, which didn't make any sense. So I write this whole column about the Super Bowl and the Raiders, and I threw in that thing about, you know, the only traitor is a Raider hater. And then I talked about the Super Bowl halftime show and how the Super Bowl halftime shows used to be great to me, because they were marching bands, or they were this or that. And the, the truth of the matter is, I have this jaded view of the Super Bowl halftime shows, because when I go back and look at them, they sucked. They were bad. 
they were Disney commercials, and they weren't even good Disney commercials. In fact, in 1989, the season 1989, so the Super Bowl was 1990, my beloved Broncos absolutely bitch-slapped by the San Francisco 49ers. It wasn't even close, and by halftime, even I had turned it off. And so the the show at halftime, which was a Disney commercial for the, one of their new rides, completely bombed because nobody watched it. They were bad, uh, with a couple of exceptions, you know? The Prince show is still, in my view, it's still the, the gold standard, but most of the rest of them are really bad. Anyway, I wrote about this, these halftime shows, and there was a throwaway line in this column. The last line of the paragraph was, what's that number for the lingerie pay-per-view halftime show again? Question mark. And then I went back on to talking what I was talking about. And believe it or not, that line, because I was working for the Salvation Army, became a lightning rod for controversy, to borrow the phrase from the Modesto B, as, quote, high-level, quote-unquote, donors or whatnot, started calling my boss, the, the commanding officer there, Modesto, to question how I could be allowed to say this in the newspaper. They didn't call the newspaper, by the way. They didn't call the newspaper and say, hey, Judy, why do you allow that, that line in there? Now, they called my boss to say, why are you allowing him to say this? Which is, of course, uh, insane. But they did. And I just realized that uh, I made a mistake in the technical side of this. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. Um, the humor in that was not lost on me, but when I went to start working for radio in May of 2006, it caused enough of a kerfuffle that they asked me, asked me not to use my real name on the, on the air. Now, think about how stupid that was. Okay, number one, Bill has already introduced me to everybody in the audience by my real name. But now all of a sudden, the the first day that I'm working there, I'm actually on the payroll, rolls around, and I'm supposed to do sports and fill in news. So I got to be at the station at five in the morning because Bill has this insane thing about doing this 530 news thing. And <laughs> part of that was sports. And anyway get there, that first day was bad. It was it was so bad. And now here's Dave Diamond with sports. He turns my microphone on and I said, the Oakland A's defeated the Toronto Blue Jays 3-2. to two. It was bad. Anyway, the point of all this was is I had this new name, Dave Diamond, which was not my first choice. You have to understand that I did not choose that name. That name was kind of chosen for me because the two names that I came up with were absolutely rejected. Uh, my number two choice was Randy Dolphin, which we've talked about before on the show. But my number one choice was Herb Focasia, which I thought was just clever. Uh, plus, it honored my grandfather and Long story short, nobody liked either of those two names. And so, Dave Diamond, he's a baseball guy, and so, you know, Diamond comes in baseball, uh, plus he loves Neil Diamond. This makes sense, right? 
So that's how the Dave Diamond thing came about. Now I want to be clear about this. I was never, ever sold on the Dave Diamond persona. I joke about it a lot. Call it the, the Dave Diamond experience and those sorts of things. Dave Diamond's Book of Blessings. But I never told people that that's my name. Made it very clear that, in fact, it was not my name. And later, when I moved into the seat for the, for the show, for the after morning show, and then later the afternoon show, I really started downplaying it. Um, just kind of dropped the diamond, hey, it's Dave. And that led to two phone calls, callers, that were amusing. Uh, the first guy called me. We were still doing the morning show at this point. So I'd been on the air for maybe three months. And this guy calls up the show one day. And he's very conspiratorial. And he says, the, 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 the thing from Heather, who was my producer at the time, so they send you notes saying, okay, this person's calling on line one. This is what they want to talk about. And the part where it said this is what they want to talk about, a couple of question marks, and it says, says he knows you, unquote, question mark, question mark. But it wasn't a name that I recognized. And so I answer the phone, I take the call, and like, I know who you really are. I'm like, okay. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? Which I'm sure at that point was politics. And he was he was like, no, I mean, I really know who you are. I know who you really are. I'm like, so what? He says, well, will you write for the Modesto B? I said, dude, everybody in this audience, apparently except you, knew that. That's how I got the job, was writing a column about radio. And that got me in the door. It's We've told this story before. What, were you just not paying attention? Did you miss that day? I don't know what the heck's wrong with you, but everybody knows this. And he's like, well, no, really, I know who you really are. Are you threatening me? Are you, so what? What do you want me to do with this information? And he says, well, I want you to tell people who you really are, your real name. And I, as I hung up the phone, I said, dude. Everybody in this audience knows my real name. Everybody that's listened to the show for more than five minutes knows my real name. Which turned out not to be true, but the next three or four callers were like, yeah, I know your real name. I, you've never hidden that. True. So six years later, we got a new gym, general manager, and he was adamant that I had to go back on the air as myself. Now, this had been the original plan. You understand this. The original plan back in 2007, 8, was when they moved the show to the afternoon, they were going to pull me off the air for two weeks and then bring me back on the air in the afternoon under my real name. But I screwed that up uh, because the ratings came out and we were like, number one, we kicked ass and <laughs> like, well, we can't take them off the air for two weeks because advertisers will be mad. And anyway. So that never happened. We did go to the afternoons, as you know. But later on, um, we got a new general manager, and this guy was just absolutely adamant that I had to be on there as my name. So in September of 2013, as you know, we 
shut down Afternoons Live with Dave and John, and it became the Dave Bowman Show on October 1st, the first Monday in October that year. The Dave Bowman Show. Huzzah! And I swear to God, we hadn't been on the air a week, and uh, we had the new producer, Kevin was the new producer, and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> anyway, we get this call, and this is this old guy, this is still my favorite call of my entire radio career, and as you know, I hate callers. But this guy called up, and Kevin was like, he types and thinks, you got to take this call. You, you got to. Okay. So we take the call. And it's this old guy, and I can't remember his name, but he was on and on about how much he loves this show, this Dave Bowman show. He just thinks this is great. It's funny. It's fun. It's inter- it's It's educational. I talk about things he cares about. And he just really likes Dave Bowman. I really like Dave Bowman. I didn't like that Dave Diamond guy. He was he was kind of a jerk. But Dave Bowman, I really like him. And I'm like, this is a joke, right? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, why didn't you like Dave Diamond, but you like Dave Bowman? He He gave me a story about why he didn't like it. And he was so glad that I had replaced Dave Diamond. It was like, I didn't have the heart to tell him. I just, I just couldn't do it. The whole point of this is, though, that I had been asked by the company, the Salvation Army, not to use my real name on the air. And so there were people who were kind of like, well, why would you do that? Isn't that, what about your freedom of speech? Was it a violation of my freedom of speech? No, it wasn't. I was, A, I was asked to do it for reasons that, while I disagreed with them, it made sense to the people who were paying me to do another job. And so, while they couldn't say to me, you can't do another job, they were understandably cautious, especially after the Modesto B incident. And so, it was I was always clear about who I am, but it didn't violate my First Amendment right to freedom of speech. It didn't interfere with that. And this all comes to mind to me. I told you before, my mind works in very strange ways. Because free speech not only is a constant issue to me, but this particular week, uh, we've seen a couple of instances of this that really drive it home. The first instance involves politicians. And my belief that politicians, A, don't understand the First Amendment. I guess I, I guess I should back that up by saying I'm not just a free speech radical. I'm a First Amendment radical. All of the protections under the First Amendment, which can generally be loosely categorized as freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, freedom of association, they all sort of work together, whether you're talking about speech, press, religion, uh, redress, it doesn't matter. All of those things come under this idea that you have the freedom to think the way you want to think and to say what you want to say. Again, it doesn't relieve you of the consequences of that, as it didn't had I said something that the Salvation Army would have vehemently objected to. I could have probably been fired from that other job, but um, as it was, I ended up leaving anyway because. I really liked radio, and 
about four months into that radio career, into the, 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 the hosting job, the opportunity came along and I said, you know what? Uh, it's a lot less money, but I'm going to do this. And I went to radio. Anyway, all that to say, I don't think politicians in general, they either don't understand the First Amendment or they don't care. As a part of me that goes both ways on that, so to speak, um, I don't know because it depends on the party you're talking about. If you're talking about leftists, they understand it. They don't care. When you're talking about the right, it becomes a much more confusing issue, doesn't it? The right, and again, I I don't need to talk about the left because the left disagrees with me on everything. The Democrat Party, there's nothing in the Democrat Party that I agree with. But the Republican Party, the conservatives, are the people who are constantly calling me, constantly emailing me, constantly writing me saying, Dave, you need to support us because we believe in the same things you believe in. Do you? I would regularly ask, those of you who listen to the radio show knew that, I rarely had a guest that I didn't ask about what's the most important constitutional right. I wasn't looking for a specific answer. I was just looking for whether or not they'd ever actually thought about it. Most of the time, they hadn't. That said, these politicians get up there and they, they tell me that they're supporting and defending the Constitution, but then they say insane stuff that makes you go, wait, what? And it gets worse in a political race for, for president, obviously, because that's where we are. So we had a candidate last week who informed us, I guess it was this, no, it was last week, informed us that she has a position on a national security issue, which she claims is a national security, security issue, which she wants dealt with. Now, of course, this is Nikki Haley, and you've probably heard this. You know this already, I'm sure. If you don't, I would be surprised. She's concerned because there's anonymity, anonymity on social media. In other words, I can use a radio nom de guerre, Dave Diamond, and go on Twitter and go say anything I want. And she doesn't like that. She doesn't like the fact that you can say it anonymously, supposedly, and that consequently, there are no actions for this. Mike Tyson, I guess, once said something to the effect of, you know, not enough people in this world have been punched in the nose for saying, th saying something stupid. That said, she wants social media companies to verify everyone on their platforms. Presumably, that means their real name, their real address, real email addresses, whatever, before they can speak on social media. Now, I'm going to caveat everything I'm going to say about this by saying she walked this back slightly. She didn't walk it back entirely. She walked it back slightly a few days later, but she did repeat it. This is a national security issue. No one should be able to talk anonymously on social media. Well, nobody who's not an American citizen, she would later say, because as it turns out, apparently she didn't know this, 
the idea of silencing Americans in anonymous speech is a gross violation of the Constitution and specifically the First Amendment. Now, the question is, you can say, well, Dave, she walked it back. Yes, she did. She walked it back and says now, well, it's okay for American citizens to be anonymous, but not Russians, Chinese, or North Koreans. They cannot be anonymous on social media. That isn't even what really concerned me about what she said. What she said was, my first day in office, we're going to do this. Meaning that here is a Republican candidate who by some polls is now the second place runner. She's now passed Ron DeSantis. Believes that not only can she silence people on social media, but she can do it without involving Congress or anybody else. She's just going to do it. She's just going to make it happen. And this, my friends, is a Republican. A person who will look me in the eye and say, well, I support and defend the Constitution of the United States. I support free speech, freedom of association, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, so forth and so on. She's, she said it, folks. She's on tape. Now, yeah, again, she did walk it back slightly. But does anybody really believe that this person doesn't believe that once she became president of the United States, if that were to happen, she could just take out her pen and start writing executive orders, limiting the rights of Americans with whom she disagrees? And doesn't that bother anybody? Instead of saying... Oh, not only is this a gross violation of the, of the Constitution, I haven't heard anybody ask her, how exactly are you going to do this? Because the implication that I heard was she's going to do it by executive order, which, of course, that's part of the whole problem. That is a violation of the First Amendment. It is something that bothers me, concerns me, and even in her walk back I don't get the comfortable feeling that she, if she had gone back out there and said, you know what, I screwed up. I said something that, you know, was very Paul Ryan-esque, but unlike Paul Ryan, I didn't walk out there and go, hey, I didn't know I couldn't do that. Remember that, Paul Ryan? Well, I didn't know we couldn't pass ex post facto laws. I didn't know that. I don't know how you didn't know that. It's actually in the Constitution. It's actually in the job description for Congress. And you're the Speaker of the fucking House. How did you not know that? But he didn't. If she had gone out there and said something to that effect, look, I, I, didn't, I didn't know or I didn't realize or I didn't think about the First Amendment applications. I was thinking in terms of national security. But maybe there's another way. Or maybe we just have to tolerate it because that's who we are. She didn't do that. She tried to put it into a little bit sharper focus, and she tried to put some, some lipstick on it and make it sound like, well, I'm only really against Russians, Chinese, and North Koreans. But again, she offered no explanation as to how she was going to do this. That concerns me greatly. It concerns me because, theoretically, this is the number two Republican candidate for president. This is a person who theoretically could be put forward as the vice presidential candidate. 
which then means that she's, quote, a heartbeat away from the presidency. And these candidates don't seem to understand the most basic ideas of our Constitution. They don't seem to understand the basic ideas of how these things work. And yet, they're still better than the other side. How screwed up is that? How did we reach the point where these are the best and the brightest that our country has to offer when it comes to defending the liberties of citizens? It's, it's scary to me. That said, we got another email this week about First Amendment issues from an old friend who explained to me that this old friend has decided to change their position on something. They have decided that they no longer believe X to be true, now they believe Y to be true. And it's not just enough that they believe Y to be true. There was a undercurrent in the in the message, the email about you have to agree with me because it's free speech. And this is the second problem that I see with free speech in America today, which is very simply the fact that free speech doesn't mean that I have to agree with every fool thing that comes down the pike. It means that you have a right to believe, say, associate, worship, however you choose to do, right? Whatever you choose to do. It doesn't require that everybody else believe it or go along with it. In fact, it allows for cogent discussions of those things, not for telling somebody that if they don't agree with you, they have to shut the hell up, which is unfortunately what too many people have begun to believe freedom of speech means, which is why Nikki Haley can walk out there and say, I don't think social media should be allowed to be anonymous, and if I'm elected president of the United States on the first day I'm there with a pen, I'm going to make I'm going to require these social media companies to verify everyone. And of course, most people looked at this and went, that's insane. But then again, half of them are the same people that don't understand why firearms registration is the same thing. Either way, for the moment, it's a free country. But I have deep concerns about the leaders, the the, the people who want to be leaders and their understanding of those things and their willingness to defend free speech, not just in the theoretical sense, but when it disagrees with their own ideas. Just as much as I disagree with people who say to me, well, you have to, you have to go along with me because free speech. You might have to listen to you, and I don't even really have to do that, but at the same time, I don't have to call myself Dave Diamond because you think I should. Besides which, Dave Bowman is a much nicer guy, but I'm still not going to go along with every fool thing that comes out of a politician's mouth, and I don't think Dave Diamond would approve of that either.